Hello, everybody. Welcome on the Light Zone Data Show. Today, we're going to talk about those best free resources for data science. And to do so, we have our amazing guest, T. Scott Clendaniel. Welcome, Scott. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well now that you're here and to talk and address this important topic that I know a lot of people have queued in to, to listen to and to watch this live. Now, you do have a huge following on Twitter on LinkedIn, top voice, data science, AI. But just in case some people don't know about you, I want to just do a quick intro. <laughs> so you, you are an artificial intelligence pioneer with over 35 years proven track record of dramatic return of investment improvements. You're a guest lecturer, John Hopkins University and University of Maryland, course author of uh, Harvard Innovation Labs, uh, Expertify uh, AI. Chief Data Officer, Board of Directors, Gardner and Avanta and the DC region. And right now you're the lead artificial intelligence solutions architect at Booz Allen Hamilton. One and of just them, yes. One of them, probably the most important one. Now I want to add another bit of experience on, on that list. And that's your third time guest of the Lights on Data show. And that is clearly the most important. And for all <laughs> of you out there who have tuned into the show, you guys have no idea how lucky you are to have George and Diana do this show. I am always thrilled to be here. It is always a pleasure. And not only are you two guys experts, you're just some of the nicest people in all of social media. Oh, likewise, Scott. We're honored and very happy that you're agreeing to come on our show and impart your knowledge. And I do want to encourage those that are listening, watch to watch the recordings or listen to the recordings of the previous two episodes that we've had with you. There was one on how to implement a successful data analytics strategy and the other one on achieve data scientist advice on AI, both mind blowing, eye opening. I encourage everybody to go and listen to them. Thank you. And hello to our audience. Thank you so much for joining us in. Yet. Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer. Friend, uh, Go Francisco. Scott. He's the Hi, real Scott. Hi, Francisco. He's the Scott T. I'm just the T Scott. Hi, Kinsley. Hi, Christine. Hi, Renata. Hello, everybody. Welcome from all parts of the world. I'm always amazed and surprised on the, the reach of the show and how LinkedIn is bringing us all together. Absolutely. So, Scott, those free data resources. Let's uh, let's bring them up. You got it. When you've approached me on what the topic should be, because you know, we were like playing with different ideas and you thought, you know what, in acquiring the skills required to be a data scientist can be hard, right? And sometimes cost prohib prohibitive. And you wanted to really go over some of those courses, some of the, those tools that are free for people to, to use and just help them become a data scientist or improve their existing skill set. So I thought that was brilliant. And, uh, you know, I were just mm -hmm. talking before the show that there are just so many people throughout the world that would be able to benefit from this. Absolutely. And let me give you just a quick insight to the audience on perspective. I always tease with people that for the first half of my career, people said, oh, you can't be a data scientist. You don't have a PhD in statistics. And the good news is they don't say that anymore. The bad news is now they say you can't do this because you don't have a PhD in computer science. And I'm like, okay, I'm in year 37, something seems to have gone okay. But when I first started back when the dinosaurs roamed, <laughs> the, there were no free data sets. The internet, as we know, it certainly didn't exist. There, 
were no open source tools. Python didn't come into play for any of these applications until the very late 90s, early 90s. And the first software program that I used to work on this stuff was SAS. And that was, I think, $3,500 an individual seat license back in the day, and then $2,500 renewal every single year. The GUI, first GUI application I had was 90 grand a seat. Wow. So the very That was big money was back huge. then, too. Yes, it was. And so I just want to provide a perspective. And if you're someone who just doesn't have those type of resources, and I don't know about you, but I don't have a whole bunch of spare $90,000 sitting around to be able to put to anything, the advent of the free tools has become really important. So anyhow, that was just a lead up. All right, so free data resources. Thanks very much to Booz Allen for giving me permission to participate today. So thanks for that. But I want to be clear that these are my thoughts and we have a copyright for Booz Allen's thing in particular, but these are Scott Glenn Daniels' ideas. So if anything's good in here, it's credit to Booz Allen. If anything's bad in here, it's because Scott Glenn Daniel messed it up. <laughs> so let's just start with that. All right, so what I wanted to start with are what are the different components you need to have a data science project? The first thing you're gonna need is uh, a client, internal or external, and a problem defined, but let's assume we already have that. You probably have more than enough of those. But the type of resources that we're going to talk about today fall into five categories. Data, software, training, references, and how do you keep on top of trends? So let's start with data. There are a number of different places that you can go, and some of them are not known as well as they should be. For example, Google has a whole separate search engine, which is called Google Dataset Search, whose sole purpose in life is for you to be able to access different types of data sets, download them for free and play around with those. Most of the people who have worked in machine learning for a long time are familiar with some of the basic data sets that are involved with Titanic or the Iris data set, plus and housing data. Those are some of the most famous free data sets. The problem is now if you want to use those and you put them on your resume, Ironically, that can hurt you more than help you because they've been so overused that everyone assumes that everyone knows how to use them. So I suggest you not do those basics, but you can use Google Dataset Search. Second is Kaggle. Many of you are familiar with Kaggle as a data science competition site, which they did brilliantly and continue to still do very well, but they've expanded so much beyond where they were five years ago. They now have the ability to have free tools within their suite, free data sets, lots of free training resources, all kinds of things. So signing up for Kaggle on their website is really highly recommended. And then the last is University of California at Irvine has done a masterful job of collecting data sets over time. As you get some traction, you might wanna go out and test some of those data sets and actually look to see how other people have approached those problems. So that can be really helpful. So there you go for data. All right, so the next I'm gonna recommend is what are you gonna do for software? And what I mean specifically here is what's a more GUI based approach? What's something that's a little more user friendly? Now, if you're already a developer, software engineer, computer science expert, any of those things, Python's fantastic, go do that, go forth ye, be successful. If you do not come from a coding background, you now have a twofold problem. You've got to learn data science and you've got to learn how to be a software engineer. And that's a lot straight off the bat. So I wanted to point 
you to something that's a hidden gem that's buried inside Anaconda. Anaconda is free standardized Python code, but it also has lots of additional applications that are buried in that menu system. One of them is called orange data mining. Data mining is the old term for data science. And there are some universities who have created some open source tools that you can use. Orange data mining is the one that I've used actually to do a lot of research on actual projects and applications, but it's all GUI based. So you can see from the little design that it's all set up on a palette based approach. So you basically drag and drop. Open source, free, great way to learn. I recommend if you don't have a computer science background, learn to use in a GUI tool first before trying to tackle how you're gonna do that plus learning how to do um, coding and developer work. I think that you'll grasp onto the concepts faster and it'll be a lower lift. Now, I will admit that the interface on the program for Orange Data Mining is not what we would call state-of-the-art. It is older. It was done by students at a university. Okay, so please don't judge. It has been nicknamed among some of my friends, the Craigslist of websites for data science. And I apologize for that, but it's incredibly helpful and has a lot of power, strongly recommended. And I do want to mention that you can download Orange for Windows, Mac, and Linux as well. Absolutely. Thank you. And you can download it directly. You don't have to download all of Anaconda. It's just if you already have Anaconda, and a lot of people do, it's already in there. All right. Now I'm going to talk about one of my heroes, who is Cassie Kay from Google. She is the chief data scientist of Google. She is absolutely brilliant at taking complex concepts and making them incredibly user-friendly. She also has just the right amount of cheekiness to keep you entertained as you go through these programs. She came up with a course that's at the link right there called Making Friends with Machine Learning. She is a truly gifted presenter. I follow all her posts. I follow all her videos. Really strongly suggest that if you begin with her course, you're going to be in really great shape on getting a lot of the concepts quickly in an easily digestible manner. So that's where I would start for the free courses. All right, so what about free references? This is all great, but what if I need to go more in depth? There is a concept that most people aren't familiar with when it comes to books that are on technology, engineering, and data science. And that's the fact that they have a very short shelf life. So if I produce a program today, and it's part of Python 3.7. When Python 3.8 comes out, whether my book is still relevant or it isn't relevant, people will see Python 0.37 and say, oh my heavens, this is no good. I'm not going to use this anymore. I'm not gonna sell it in my store. So what happens is the authors are stuck with a dilemma. What do I do now with all this work that I poured my heart and soul into to create a data science book? What the publishers and the authors tend to do is to open source the book, for lack of a better phrase. They'll actually create a PDF author and the publisher. Why would they do that? One, it increases brand awareness of the author and the publisher. Two, it provides a form of free marketing for the author and the publisher to be able to use. 
And there's a whole collection of these that were taken by a company called the Insane App, which just makes me laugh. It's a very silly name, but they have some excellent resources. So that's where you can go for that. But wait, there's more. If you call now, sorry, I was born in the 60s and I remember those old commercials. All right, so what about choo-choo's? I can tell you that people love a good choo-choo. And you may be a little concerned that this is from KB Nuggets and it looks a little old. Wait a minute, that's four years ago. Are these still any good? And the answer is yes, they are. You can find lots of other places to find free cheat sheets to be able to use for your current application. But KD Nuggets is still an extremely valuable resource. And this is a collection that you can download all together. So you can have a wide variety of topics all at once. So that's a cheat sheet place that I would start you with. And that's all I have as a starting point. This is in a post, it's on my LinkedIn, and I think it's gonna be available to you other ways as well. But if you follow this guide and get yourself off the ground relatively quickly, relatively painlessly, and at very low cost. So that's my spiel. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Scott. And I just posted a comment with the link to your post where you're going over all of these oh, slides. You. So you'll find the links there and you'll be able to start your journey into becoming a data scientist for free. For free. And I do yep. want to mention that you have vetted these resources. You've taken some of these courses. You've used some of these tools. So we know they're good and tested. Tried and true. Now, one of the things that I will say, it used to be that there were no free resources. Now, part of the challenge is there are too many free resources. Just because it's free doesn't mean it's good. So mm -hmm. you can find all kinds of amazing resources. What I've tried to do is to whittle it down so that we can focus on the ones that I found to be the most helpful. What you may or may not realize is you can actually set up a Google search and a Google alert. So Google alerts is something a lot of people bypass. If you have a Gmail account, you can put in a search and set it up as an alert within Google so that Google will automatically email you when there are new results for your search that you haven't had before. So one of the things in the document we talked about, how do we keep up with trends? That's a great free way to do it because then Google continues to scour the internet and then emails you the most relevant content as things change. That That's a great tip. Ravita was wondering what's really the best way to leverage these resources and they all seem to go hand in hand with each other. I would start with the course and I would mm -hmm. start with Cassie's course because Cassie can code circles around me while she's asleep and still do better than I would. She is brilliant and a gifted presenter, but her number one skill set, in my humble opinion, is being able to take the complex and making it simple and accessible. So I would start with that. It's very friendly and you can access it in bite-sized videos. She also has a version where it's available in larger chunks. Once you've gone through that training, you'll have a better idea. All right, so now I have some idea what the process is, what I really need. That'll help you with which data resources you want to pull, which books might be helpful, which apps. Got it. As a follow-up, Kay was wondering, what keywords should you use for those Google alerts? The one that I do is best free, open parenthesis, quote, AI, end quote, or quote, data science, end quote, or open quote, machine learning, end quote, close paren. 
if you really want to know the details. So that's a, so that'll do you. And what that does is it will tend to send you to summary articles that were, have reviewed the tools as opposed to just sending to random sets of tools, because to your point, you want to be able to make sure that some of these are vetted and that someone has reviewed them and someone has compared them as opposed to just throwing out whatever's handy. That's a very good point because I'll say it again, but you have gone through this, you vetted them, they're tried and true. If anybody else knows of any other good resources, please feel free to put them in the comments and uh, share them with everybody. And yeah, this and is not meant to be the definitive all in. This is every good resource. I couldn't possibly put them all in here. The only reason I pulled these sort of primitive slides together was to give people a starting point. And a great starting point. And I do encourage everybody to share their experience, share their knowledge on LinkedIn and other platforms like T. Scott is doing here. Follow him for more free content and cheat sheets and, and great shares. And uh, please do the same. If you find something good, share with all of us. We have a question here from Twitter. They're wondering, should they start with R? Should they start with Python? Do you have a preference? And I don't want to get into that whole, which one is better, but uh, okay, I I, I'm putting on my pith helmet for protection yeah. because as soon yeah. as I start getting into this, it depends on what your goals are. If you have a language that you already know very well, and that makes you very comfortable, start with that language is the short answer. So if you feel really comfortable in R, I would start in R. If you're really comfortable in Python, start in Python and then branch out from there, trying to start with oh, here's a completely different language that I know nothing about. Let me jump into that. I actually learned on GUI tools for most of my career. So back in the day, there was a Finium model and SPSS modeler and Southwood systems and the original cart, the original random forest, all through GUI interfaces. That's how I learned. And it was faster to get the concepts. Languages are syntax. You need to know the what you're trying to do and the why you're trying to do it before you get to the how. Right. And so that's why I represent GUI tools. If you don't have a background in it, if you have a background in it, use the tools that make you happy. I put up a slide here. It's a website. And this one comes from, where is the name here? Aaron. So thank you so much for recommending this. This is called Quanticon.org. So apparently it's an open source code for economic modeling. Oh, so wow. it seems to have quite a few projects here that you could Excellent. go into. So thank you so much for that recommendation. Yeah, I don't know this one. This is great. And I think we have another one here from Frederick and he's recommending the academictorrents.com for researchers by researchers. Over 127 wow. terabytes of data. That's a lot. That's more than my hard drive. <laughs> thank you. When you see the torrents a bit, doesn't sound legit, but uh, <laughs> if it's for researchers by researchers. <laughs> Torrent and terror have similar letters in them. So I'm always worried whenever I see torrent about how much data I'm going to have to bring down, but it's a, it's a great tool. The cool thing is it looks like there's a lot of data sets available that you can download. So maybe an other, other alternative to KD nuggets. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, and used by different universities. So there you go. That's yeah. legitimized it for me. Yeah. University of California at Irvine or UCI is the first one I remember hearing of. So that was the first place. Kaggle started, you can actually have a competition on just submitting data sets now, but you don't have to compete at all to be a member of Kaggle or to take advantage of those resources. So that's a really good, 
all-in environment to start. Do you have a favorite data set that you like to work with or a type of a data set? I'll tell you the one that comes up in my classes most often, which is different from it's the best data set. And that is uh, research that was done uh, called the FEMA Indians Diabetes Dataset. And let me tell you why. Because there are only nine columns in it in a dependent variable. That's it. And it's all numerical. You don't have any categorical. So the reason I like to use it as an example is you look at this, you're like, wow, there's no missing data. Everything's numerical. There's a single clearly labeled dependent variable. Heck yeah, I'm good to go. If you don't do the proper data vetting and data visualization. And the reason mm -hmm. why is, and I, I spoiler alert here for the Pima Indians diabetes data set. Take a look at blood pressure. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the people that I know that have a blood pressure of zero are not doing well. And you usually don't take blood pressures on someone who has passed away but you will find records that have a zero in mm. the data set. So what happened? Mm. Apparently when they released the data set, they didn't want to have any missing values. So they released the data set, but their solution was to stick a zero any place where they didn't have an actual measured value. So I use that a lot in classes because you would be shocked how many people race to the end going, hey, pizza, hey, I've got everything I could possibly need. I'm good to mm -hmm. go. And then you say, gee, well, what about the pulses of zero or the blood pressure of zero or any of those type things? And mm -hmm. you can just see the color drain out of the student's face because they were in such a hurry to get to the end, they didn't bother to sort and plot the data. Yeah, that's such a good point to try and understand and find out more about the context of the data set in all its circumstances. So it's great to see one that has a thorough description and maybe even a comment on their level of data quality. Yeah, I think there's a hidden message in all the data sets, even Titanic, which I pick on, and it's not a bad data set. And it's an interesting problem. But one of the things that you realize is you can get to about 83% accuracy if you look at all through that data set by just identifying age and gender. So if you had to translate that into a story to be able to tell folks, and I use this in training, it's women and children first. That wasn't just a saying, that's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. If you have to condense a complex data set with a lot of possible variations in it, you can predict with, I think it's 83% accuracy, just on those two inputs. And then if you have to summarize it in a story, it becomes women and children first. That's a very clear way of distilling I'm not just a data scientist. I don't just play with data. It's important that my client understand the outcome. It's not just about machine learning folks. It's about people learning. What have you learned from this data set that can help your client when they're not using the model? Brilliant. T. Scott, we have a couple of questions here from sure. people that are either they want to move to the States or they're looking for a job in data science. Do you have any recommendations on where can you start, especially if they don't have that background? So they might have some projects under their belt, but it's something that they've undertaken themselves. So they don't have a data scientist experience tied to an organization. We as a field are dreadful at this. One of my favorite articles that I read a while ago was a gentleman who had created a new software package and he saw an advertisement saying that someone needed to have five years experience in his particular data package. And he said, I'm the author of the package and it only came out 18 months ago. So I don't know how you're going to have people who have five <laughs> years of experience since it didn't exist five years ago. 
So the entryway is to work on something data related. So what type of database work? It doesn't have to be called data scientist, it's data analyst, data engineer, all sorts of those types of projects where you're working on a data set. Get practical hands-on experiencing experience on data, period. Mm -hmm. Work with dashboards, work with financial reporting, work with budgeting. You need to get the experience under your belt of working with data in some way, shape, or form. If you try and go in and say, hi, I'd love to be a data scientist in your organization. I've never worked with data before. That's going to be an uphill climb. I can name names because I don't have permission from them to do so. But I have this friend, she worked in the reception area and she really wanted to become a data analyst and how she was going to do that. She definitely took up a bunch of courses and read a bunch of books. But when she was applying, she did not have that experience, practical experience. So what she did, she took it upon herself to do her own project within her receptionist role. And she started to basically catalog all the different times when she was calling FedEx to come and pick up packages and then how long it took them to get there and then have it delivered. And uh, this was like months worth of data. And it, then she basically just did a simple analysis to see what was the most optimal time that she would have to call them so that the time it would t take them to come and pick it up would be shorter. Like her initiative, it, it did some good and she had something to put on her resume and then have some sort of a data analytics role in there. Also work on a Kaggle team. Kaggle allows groups to work together. So take on a junior role on that, be a lot of practical experience. That's also why I keep pushing the free data. Some mm -hmm. of you may be thinking, why do I care? Because you need to have a portfolio, mm -hmm. things that are different from what other people have done, mm -hmm. uses real world data that's messy and complicated and requires data cleaning. And you need to come up with something that doesn't look like everyone else's. <clears throat> so taking those data sets and finding unique problems and putting them into a portfolio, hugely helpful. There's also this organization called Data for Good, and it's right now in North America, but they do accept members from all over the world because now you can work virtually from anywhere. And it is a volunteer position, but they are actually working with real organizations that can't afford these types of skills or they can't afford these types of resources. And so they, yeah, they appeal to the data for good folks and they work on real data science projects with real data and solving real problems that these organizations have. Usually nonprofit and foundation type organizations, but they all try and do good and have a positive change in the world. AI for good is a similar one. AI for good. Excellent recommendation. Yeah. Ravi's mentioning, oh yes, Pima data set rocks. And Mary Bell is like a story of self-learning and optimism. Absolutely. And by the way, guys, I am completely self-taught for good or for ill. I did not have access to the resources to be able to do this. My degrees are in strategic planning. So I had to do this all self-taught. Scott, you, you should have started with that. That's inspirational already, but you're an AI pioneer now with over 35 years of experience and you're self-taught. So go. Can I tell you a funny story about that? Please. Many years ago. I was invited to speak at an AI conference. I ran into my coworker's office. My coworker's name was Beth. I said, Beth, I've got great news. I've just been invited to speak at an AI conference. And I'm expecting Beth to say, oh, that's great. Where's the conference? When is it? What are you going to talk about? And instead she leans back in her chair and she folds her arms across her chest and she raises one eyebrow and says, do you really feel qualified to speak? at an artificial intelligence conference. And I was like, I did until 10 seconds ago. I promised that I would never do that to anyone else. 
And so that's why I'm a big believer in sharing all the stuff. So that's the funny story. The sad story is once upon a time I was in financial services, I was at the VP level. And my now ex-wife said, well, you're living, you're working in Hawaii at Bank of Hawaii, but I've decided I want to stay here in Baltimore and I have your son. And if you ever want to see him again, you have to move back to Baltimore where there were no financial services for me to be able to compete with. And I was like, what wasn't a choice between my son and my career? So my career went out the window, moved back to Baltimore. And I was like, I wonder if anyone would be interested in that artificial intelligence stuff that I had been working on and started from nothing. But it was a matter of survival at that point. And here I am later, and I get to be on the Lights on Data show. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Happy endings. All right, everyone. Please remember, follow Atis Cockle and Daniel on LinkedIn and on Twitter for more resources that I know he's sharing on a daily basis. So don't miss out. And you can check out his latest post where he actually posted the slides that he went over today. So you can see all the links to all the resources that he mentioned. And if, if you're listening to this, I'll put on the link to it somehow, but thank you so much for joining us today, Scott thanks and so everybody much, else. George. It was a pleasure having you on and thanks again for imparting our knowledge and looking forward to having you back for the fifth time. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye everyone.